0: Welcome to the African History Network show, right here on 910A on the Superstation The Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. Well, it's been a very uh, busy weekend. I taught my online class yesterday uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Our guest speaker in the class was archaeologist and cultural scientist, Sister Nubia Watford. So we had a great class discussing the origins of ancient Kush and the African queens of antiquity. So you can still register for uh, the uh, online course I teach. Uh, It's a nine-week online course. I teach it on Saturdays, uh, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com right on the home page. You can register for the class. As soon as you register, you can watch um, uh, this past Saturday's uh, class. All right. So uh, on today's show, um, we're going to continue our discussion dealing with the attack on the $5 billion in relief that's going to African-American farmers and farmers of color That's in the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan. Now, you've heard me talk about this before on the show a number of times, and we discussed it uh, on Friday, uh, May 21st, on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, I'm a panelist on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, usually each Friday. And Roland uh, interviewed the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, and they discussed a number of different topics, but one of the things they discussed was the uh five billion dollars in relief, four billion four billion dollars is in um loan forgiveness. And he they talked about the attacks on it, but also when the funds would be released and when the loan forgiveness uh would begin. And Secretary Vilsack said starting in June, uh the loan forgiveness will begin and uh the farmers will start uh, receiving some funds as well. So we're gonna talk about that uh, on today's show in the first hour black farmers. Uh, and what's happening is is that uh, banks are complaining about the $4 billion in debt relief and, and banks are saying that if the federal government relieves these uh, forgives these loans Uh, Early, the banks won't be able to make as much money as they should when it comes to um, when it comes to interest. uh, Interest payments. So the banks are asking for bailout from the federal government. Okay, which is interesting uh, because, you know, these are a lot of wealthy people. A lot of them are Republicans. And, you know, I I I thought they were against uh, socialism. But the the, the banks are now asking for a bailout from the federal government, and they're also intimating that if uh, the federal government goes through with the loan forgiveness, then it may make it harder for African-American farmers to get uh, loans from these banks in the future. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. Banks banks fight for a billion dollars debt relief plan for black farmers claiming lost profits, claiming lost profits. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture is to begin loan forgiveness to uh, African-American farmers and and, uh, non-white farmers, farmers of color. Now, this deals with a 100-year history of African-American farmers being discriminated against by the federal government, okay, being discriminated against by the federal government When it comes to getting uh, low interest loans for their farms, we go back to the Great Depression. We can go back to the creation of the the Farmers Home uh, Association, Farmers Home Administration in in 1930 uh, under the Herbert Hoover administration. And we can look at the lawsuits that African-American farmers have filed uh, over the years. And we know that uh, African-American farmers have lost 92 percent of their land. Uh, over about the last, uh, 100 years, it lost about 12 million acres of land over the last 100 years or so. And this is largely due to, uh, the discrimination, uh, that, that has, that they have suffered from the uh, federal government. Now, what is also taking place is that you have white farmers who are suing the federal government saying that they are being discriminated against because they cannot take advantage of the uh, five billion dollars in resources and loan forgiveness, et cetera, going to African-American farmers. OK, but but how soon they forget? Because it it, it seems like uh, uh, the white farmers forget that they got almost twenty six billion dollars in uh, COVID-19 uh, aid from the Trump administration in twenty twenty and African American farmers only got one tenth or one percent of those funds. Okay? So how how soon they forget? Uh we've talked about this before and this came up also during the discussion, the pound discussion of Roland Martin unfiltered, and also Secretary uh, US Secretary of Agriculture uh Tom Vilsack talked about this as well. But you you have this big article from um, the New York Times. There's a big article from the Times. Uh, from what date is this? May 22nd. From Saturday, May 22nd. We're going to pull it up here uh, on the screen share. But but this article from uh, the New York Times deals with. Uh, uh, you can feel the tension. You can feel the tension. Was a direct quote uh, from from the article. You can feel the tension. A windfall for minority farmers divides rural America. A windfall for minority farmers divides rural America. OK, now, just so people understand, it's not a windfall. It's not like they hit the lotto. This is be this is to address past discrimination. OK, so it's not like they it's not like they hit the lotto or something like that. No, that's not that's not it. African-American farmers. Have lost ninety-two percent of their land. We've gone from a million African American farmers uh, in about nineteen twenty to about forty-five thousand dollars today. So th- there was this huge article from uh, the New York Times, May twenty-second, twenty uh, Saturday, May twenty-second, twenty twenty-one, and I-, I posted this on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, yesterday. Some of you all saw it and commented on it. You can feel the tension. A windfall for minority farmers divides rural America. A $4 billion federal fund meant to confront how racial injustice has shaped American farming has angered white farmers who say they are being unfairly excluded. Is angering, they're, they're, they're pulling their hair out. Is angering white farmers who are saying they are being unfairly excluded, okay? Uh, so we're going to talk about this. All this is connected and all this deals with policy. Politics, politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. Okay, politics impacts every aspect of our lives from the water we drink to the air we breathe to the food we eat. Okay, so this ties directly into also voting because the way you get these policies in place is by voting the right people in the office. The reason why... Democrats were able to get the five billion. The, the reason why the Democrats were able to get the one point nine trillion dollar American Rescue Plan passed is because they control the House of Representatives, and it's a 50-50 tie in the Senate. And the tiebreaker, tie-breaking vote is Vice President Kamala Harris. Because I, I remind you once again, I've said this numerous times before: not a single traitor's Republican in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate voted. For the 1.9 trillion dollar American Rescue Plan, not one. Okay, so the the reason why and the five billion is in there because of Senator Cory Booker and Senator Raphael Warnock, members of the Congressional Black Caucus. That's why the five billion is in there. Okay, I know Senator Elizabeth Warren supported it as well, but these were the ones who spearheaded this, getting that into the bill. So, now, you know we've been talking about this here for some time now on this show. We don't do a gossip and bunch of BS. We do a real substance. Um, If we go back to March 25th, 2021, we go back to the interview that Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack did with the Washington Post. We've talked about this many times before here as well. All this is connected. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says only 0.1% of Trump administration's covid farm relief went to black farmers agriculture secretary who, who's white by the way for those that don't know he's he's white okay says only 0.1% of Trump administration's covid farm relief went to black farmers okay now why am i why am i bringing this up why am i saying this well the reason why i'm saying this is because when the white farmers in 2020, under Trump, we're getting 99% of 26 billion, and African American farmers in 2020 under Trump got only 20.8 million. I didn't hear the same white farmers who are complaining today about discrimination. I didn't hear them complaining about discrimination back then in 2020, just a year ago. We're not talking about 50 years ago. We're not talking about 100 years ago. Okay, we're talking about last year. Uh, Now, this is, so you got to go read this article, okay? Go read this article here from the Washington Post, May 25th, 2021. The distribution, let's back up a little bit. In an interview with the Washington Post, U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack, for the first time noted the extent to which the Trump administration's response to the coronavirus pandemic exacerbated existing disparities, exacerbated existing disparities across the American economy, okay? Once again, this is an example of how elections have consequences. So the people that tell you don't vote, they're full of sugar, honey, iced tea. They have no clue what they're talking about. The distribution of coronavirus relief increased those gaps, he said. The distribution or maldistribution of coronavirus relief increased those gaps of those who identified their race or ethnicity. Black farmers only received point eight twenty point eight million million, 20.8, 20.8 million of nearly $26 billion in two rounds of payment under the coronavirus food assistance program announced by the Trump administration last April. That would be April 2020. Okay? Well, why are you bringing that up? That's in the past. We ain't supposed to we ain't supposed to talk about the past. We're supposed to do like Luther Luther Vandross and talk about here and now. Cuz isn't that what you hear a lot of Republicans say? Oh, that's in the past. Like like when it comes to the the January 6th insurrection, oh, that's in the past. Let bygones be bygones. They want to deal with Luther Vandross here and now. But but wait a second. The same white farmers who are complaining about discrimination weren't complaining about discrimination just a year ago when they got 99% of $26 billion and African-American farmers got one-tenth of 1%. They weren't talking about discrimination then. So you you have to sit back and just listen to them and how stupid they sound. Let's look at this article once again. May 22nd, 2021, Saturday, May 22nd, 2021, a $4 billion federal fund meant to confront how racial injustice has shaped American farming, has angered white farmers who say they're unfairly being, they're being unfairly excluded. But they weren't angry in 2020 When African-American farmers were excluded out of 26 billion and got one tenth of one percent. White farmers have 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 benefited from policies from the federal government for the past 100 years. They weren't crying discrimination.
1: So we're going to talk about
0: this on today's show. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. But also, racism is, is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race, which comes out of the ideology of European white supremacy. So then you have, um, you still have, now this is connected, this is all connected to the attack on uh critical race theory and the attack on the 1619 project as well as the 361 bills in 47 state legislatures to uh the voter restriction bills to reduce how many people can vote so you can, so so they're trying to reduce the chances of policies like this being put into law to benefit african americans and non white people We'll deal with all this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, WFDF. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well. Call-in number is 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. 313 778 7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Uh, right in the first uh, first segment of the show, uh, I was just setting up the, the topics we're going to discuss today, and we were talking about African American farmers once again and how banks are fighting the $4 billion in debt relief uh, that's going to go to African American farmers. This is part of the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan that no Republicans in the House or Senate voted for. Okay. And you have banks claiming that they're going to lose interest payments and this is going to hurt profits overall and hurt their investors. Then you have white farmers who are complaining. Now they weren't complaining in uh they weren't complaining in 2020 when they got almost Twenty-six billion dollars in aid from the Trump administration, COVID-19 uh, aid from the Trump administration. They were complaining then, but now, and you read this, this huge article here from the New York Times, May twenty-second, twenty twenty-one, entitled "You Can Feel the Tension: A Windfall for Minority uh, Farmers Divides Rural America." Now, this once again, this is not a windfall. They didn't hit the lotto. They lost land. Okay. They they was they, they 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 were victims of discrimination. A four billion dollar federal fund meant to confront how racial injustice has shaped American farming has angered white farmers who say they are being unfairly excluded. Okay? Uh so we're we're gonna talk all about this, and we dealt with this also Friday, May 21st, 2021, at Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, now uh also on today's show. Uh, we'll discuss uh, UNC, University of North Carolina, uh, uh, Chapel Hill. They are withholding a tenured professor position for from Nicole Hannah Jones, the journalist who spearheaded the New York Times 1619 project, because of conservative backlash. Because of conservative backlash. The conservatives are attacking the 1619 project, and we see states are passing bills that are banning the teaching of critical race theory, banning the teaching of the 1619 project, different things like this. At the same time, conservatives are attacking, and the GOP are attacking the $5 billion in relief in the American Rescue Plan going to African-American farmers and farmers of color. At the same time, these same people are crafting bills to make it harder for us to vote so we can put policies in place that are beneficial to us.
1: Then, um,
0: coming up May 30th, May 31st, June 1st, It's the 100th anniversary, or the, we're commemorating the 100th anniversary of the attack on t- North Tulsa, Black Wall Street the Tulsa Race Massacre, okay, the Tulsa Race Massacre of uh, 1921. And you know, I'm in a, a, I have a -a two-and-a-half-hour lecture I've done dealing with the history of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, I'll post a link here. There's a good article from History.com that deals with uh, entrepreneurs who helped build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. We're going to talk about that uh, in the second hour of the show. Entrepreneurs who helped build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. All right. So, uh, right right before the break, also I talked about the online course that I teach: Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa. Understanding the transatlantic slave, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. So, this is a nine week. Online course that I teach and we deal with thousands of years of history and we deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade, uh, taking place also. Okay. So it's a, I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have, uh, book references, uh, video clips, articles, guest speakers. Uh, our speaker in, in, um, uh, yesterday was, uh, archaeologist, African American female archaeologist, Sister Nubia Wardford. Uh She's from Detroit. She travels to the Sudan to do archaeological digs. I had her on my show Friday. We dealt with the origins of ancient Kush and the African Queens of Antiquities. A fantastic class. We actually ended up doing two and a half hours of the class because Sister Nubia was on fire and I just let her go. I'm not going to tell a black woman stop talking. Is <laughs> that? <laughs> I know when to stay in my lane. So I, I said, OK, go ahead. I said, you, you can go. OK, I'll sit back and be quiet. Go ahead. So that's what I did. Those those who were in class, they can tell you. I just let it go. So so, um, if you go to our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, right on the homepage, uh, we have, when you scroll down, you see the information for our radio show. We're here six days a week. And then you can listen to audio podcasts of the shows. I'm uploading podcasts now. You can click here to read articles that I've written. We have the information here for the online course and you see Sister Nubia there as well. Uh, click right here to register. Next class is Saturday, May 29th and we're going to have some uh, other guest speakers as well. I'm going to reach out to Dr. David M. Hotep again. He spoke to my class back in uh, March, author of the book, The First Americans Where Africans Documented Evidence. Uh, then it takes you to the next page here. Click right here to enroll. As soon as you enroll, you can start watching the course content. Okay. Uh, and then also if you, yeah, you can start watching the course content. We do the classes live. All the sessions are recorded. So if you miss anything, you can go back and watch it over and over again. All the sessions are recorded and you still have access to the class even after the course is over with. So two or three years from now, you can still go back and watch the class from May and June. That's fine. Okay. All right. So uh, look out for that, and we'll see you in class on Saturday, May 29th. But we posted a link here. You can go ahead and register for that. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. All right, now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions. You, you, can, you can control the circumference of his or, her, his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with uh, current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, Relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter or visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. All right. Um, if you, if you're trying to register for the class, you have any questions, email me at A-H-A-H-N-Show. At uh, African History Network.com. A H N Show stands for African History Network. A H N Show at African History Network.com. We posted the a link there to register, and it's on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, I, I want to jump into this first story here. I've been talking about this for a number of months, and this ties directly into politics, laws, policies, and voting. The reason why. This $5 billion is in the $1.9 trillion. First of all, the reason why you had a $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan is because African-Americans, Latinos, Asian-Americans, some white people went out and voted uh, to vote Republicans out of office and and keep Democrats in control of the House of Representatives, give them control of the Senate, and vote Trump out of the White House. This is why you have the bill. Okay? And I encourage people to go to whitehouse.gov. Uh, at Whitehouse.gov, number one, they have all the executive orders that the president signs. There's been 45 plus executive orders. You can go read them at Whitehouse.gov because I'm hearing people say just some of the most asinine things. I could tell they don't read anything. You can go to Whitehouse.gov, read all the executive orders Biden has signed. We've talked about them here on this show numerous times. Secondly, with bills like the American Rescue Plan, the American Families Plan, the American Jobs Plan, which is the infrastructure bill. They have a fact sheet there that goes through and breaks down and shows you how this benefits people, okay? So this is the American Rescue Plan, the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan fact sheet. This is at whitehouse.gov, official website of the White House. You can go through and read this. We'll post a link here. I don't have time to go through it right now, but go through and read this, okay? And then you have to ask yourself the question, why didn't a single Republican vote for this? Because this benefits... Uh, people who voted for the Republicans in the first place. This benefits them as well. Why didn't they vote for this? So I want to uh, go back and look at uh, this article here from New York Times. Then we're going to go to clip one, Jalen. Because we discussed this on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday, and Roland interview U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. Banks fight $4 billion debt relief plan. For black farmers, lenders are pressuring the Agriculture Department to give them more money saying, give them more money saying quick repayments. Will cut into profits. Lenders are pressuring the Agriculture Department to give them more money saying quick repayments will cut into profits. OK, now it, that sounds like socialism to me. That's it. It sounds like the banks want to bailout. Okay, that's what it sounds like to me. Sounds like the banks want a bailout. Okay, let's look at this here. Just a second, uh, and then I want to look at the one from Axios because payments and loan forgiveness are going to start in June. This is something that Tom BilSack just uh, just announced uh, on Friday. Uh, the Biden administration's efforts to provide four billion dollars in debt relief to minority farmers is encountering stiff resistance from banks, is encountering stiff resistance from banks who are complaining, I would add whining, they're whining and complaining that the government initiative to pay off the loans of borrowers who have faced decades of financial discrimination, who have faced, white farmers, pay attention to this, who have faced decades of financial discrimination, bankers are saying this will cut into their profit investors. Now the debt relief was approved as part of the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that Congress passed in March without the help of Republicans at all and was intended to make amends for the discrimination, pay attention to people who don't understand politics, to make amends for the discrimination that black and other non-white farmers have faced from lenders and the United States Department of Agriculture over the years. But no money has gone out the door yet, okay? Now, later in this article, it talks about uh, Secretary of of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, saying the payments are gonna start going out in in, uh, June. And he sent out letters to farmers. It's gonna be uh, approximately 13,000 African-American farmers hispanic farmers and asian farmers that are going to get this um loan forgiveness instead the program has become mired in controversy and and lawsuits in april white farmers who claimed they were victims of reverse discrimination sued the u.s department of agriculture over the initiative okay now they didn't claim they were they see they didn't claim they were the victims of reverse discrimination in 2020 when they got almost $26 billion from the Trump administration. They're claiming they didn't claim they were the victims of reverse discrimination for the past 100 years. They're claiming right now, this money here is to address decades of discrimination against African American farmers and non-white farmers. White farmers who have had preferential treatment for the past 100 years, all of a sudden have a problem. White farmers who have had preferential treatment for the past 100 years all of a sudden have a problem. If we look at, uh, there's one here from Yahoo News. Then when white farmers filed a lawsuit. Now, keep in mind, the first lawsuit was filed on Thursday, April 29th, 2021. You know what happened on Wednesday, April 29th? Uh, Wednesday, April 28th, 2021? That was the day that Senator Tim Scott delivered the rebuttal speech on behalf of the GOP, the Joe Biden's speech to the Joint Session of Congress. The next day, the first lawsuit was filed by white farmers. Uh, If we look at this article here from Yahoo News. White farmers sued Biden Biden administration over a loan forgiveness program. This is from April 29th, 2021. This is the next day. This is Thursday. This is the day after Tim Scott delivered the speech on behalf of the GOP. See, I keep trying to see people are being distracted by the messenger and you're not focused on the message and the entity that crafted the message. Okay, once again, that's not the
1: Tim Scott rebuttal. To Joe Biden's speech. That's the GOP rebuttal to Joe
0: Biden's speech. And Tim Scott delivered the rebuttal. That's how Republicans think. That follows their policy agenda. Because all you have to do is look at the policies after that. All you have to do is look at the states that are passing laws banning critical race theory and attacking the 1619 Project. It follows directly what was in that speech. People are being distracted by the messenger and you're not focused on the entirety of the message and the consequences of the message and the policies and laws that are following the message. So because if you look at
1: um, in Tim Scott's speech
0: and I have it here, I want to I flip over to uh, Washington Post. If we look at Uh, This article here from the Post dealing with, uh, which one is it here, dealing with his speech. The most important thing he said was what he said after America's not a racist country. And you have to go analyze his full 15-minute speech to really understand this. Uh, Which one is it here? We've got it. That's Tom Vilsack. Okay, hold on, I just had it. I have to pull it up. Okay, I have to pull it up. But what he said was, was that uh, it's backwards to use discrimination to fight against discrimination, okay? This is what he said after he said, America is not a racist country. He said it's backwards to use discrimination to fight against discrimination. Well, that's attacking policies like this. This is what he's talking about. Because Sunday, May 2nd, the, 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 the Sunday after he delivered that speech, Sunday, May 2nd, he's on face the nation attacking the $5 billion that's going to African-American farmers and non-white farmers. But this is how, this is the position of the GOP. Okay. Then you have this one here from the Columbus Dispatch. We talked about this. This is from April 30th. Uh, white farmers sue seeking government loan forgiveness. White farmers sue seeking government loan forgiveness. This is from the Columbus Dispatch. A group of Midwestern farmers sued the federal government Thursday, alleging they can't participate in a COVID-19 loan forgiveness program because they're white. The group of plaintiffs includes farmers in Ohio, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and South Dakota. According to the lawsuit, the Biden administration's COVID-19 stimulus plan provides $4 billion to forgive loans for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers who are Black, American Indian, Hispanic, Alaska Native, Asian American, or Pacific Islander. White farmers aren't eligible, amounting to a violation of the plaintiff's constitutional rights, the lawsuit contends. They didn't say anything about the past 100 years of discrimination. They didn't say anything about the $26 billion they got from the Trump administration last year in 2020. And African-American farmers got one-tenth of one percent. They didn't mean that at all. So if we look at this piece here from Axios, uh, this talks about the disbursement of the funds. This is from... Um, I think this is from May 22nd, I think this came out May 22nd from uh, Axios, May 22nd, yeah, USDA to begin loan payments for black other minority farmers. This is Tom Vilsack, uh, Secretary of Agriculture. I just want to take you through this quickly, then we're going to go to the clip from Roland Martin unfiltered, because uh, he interviewed Secretary Vilsack, and then we discussed it on the panel. The Department of Agriculture Farm Service Agency announced it will begin distributing loan forgiveness payments to black and other minority farmers in June 2021 as part of President Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan. And you can read the fact sheet on the American Rescue Plan. You can read all the information about it that they have at WhiteHouse.gov. Now, approximately $4 billion of the COVID-19 relief plan has been allocated to help those quote, who have faced a legacy of financial discrimination, end quote, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, right? White farmers have not faced a legacy of financial discrimination. Now, they had hard times. The Great Depression was hard times, yeah. But a, but, a, but, a, but a Farmers' Home Administration was created in 1930 for white farmers to give them low-interest loans so they could pay the mortgages on their farms so they wouldn't lose their farms. African-American farmers were largely discriminated against. And from 1930 to 1939, we lost over 200,000 farms. So, yeah, white farmers have had hard times. Yeah, we know over the past couple of years, we know the uh, percentage of bankruptcies for white farmers have increased and percentage of suicides have increased. But it wasn't because of racial discrimination. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack told The Washington Post that farmers quote will get a letter that advises them that their debt is in the process of being paid. They will get a letter advising them that their debt is in the process of being paid. He added that eligible farmers will get an additional 20% of the loan as a cash payment. So they're gonna pay off the rest of the loan, okay? You're gonna get the debt relief and eligible farmers will get an additional 20 percent of the loan as a cash payment to cover the tax burden that comes with such large debt relief, end quote. Now, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack added he estimates the program will benefit up to 13,000 African-American, Hispanic, Native American, Asian-American, and Pacific Islander farmers. He said, quote, for black and minority farmers, the American Rescue Plan could represent one of the most significant pieces of civil rights legislation in decades. That's that's because deep within the law is a provision that responds to decades of systemic discrimination perpetuated against farmers and ranchers of color by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Now, you compare policies coming from Democrats at the federal level, U.S. House of Representatives, U.S. Senate, and the White House. Compare that to Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives and in, in the, in the, in the U.S. Senate. You're going to see a stark difference. Because many Republicans don't even want to acknowledge systemic racism exists. And then when you have policies like this to address it, or when you want to teach about the history of racism and systemic racism slavery and slavery in schools, they attack that and call that racist. And they say it's going to hurt the self-esteem of white children.
1: Quote, this this debt relief is
0: long overdue, and let me be clear, supporting socially disadvantaged farmers in rural Georgia means supporting local jobs and the local economies they are inextricably a part of. Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia said in a statement after the USDA's announcement, because Senator Raphael Warnock fought like hell to get this into the bill, as well as Senator Cory Booker. Members of the Congressional Black Caucus, if y'all don't know. Now, Senator Tim Scott is not a member of the Congressional Black Caucus. Why? Because he ain't joined. I mean, you can be a Republican and join, but he he didn't do that. Senator Tim Scott did not join the Congressional Black Caucus. Some black farmers have accused the U.S. Department of Agriculture of delaying the program Worrying it would actually not going to affect per the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, but it is going to go into effect, and Secretary uh, uh, Vilsack uh, has said that, and the, the, it's going to start in June 2021. A group of white farmers sued the federal government in late April. There was a lawsuit in Wisconsin on Thursday, April 29th. Then there was a lawsuit out of Texas on Friday, uh, April 30th by a white farmer in Texas as well. There'll probably be more lawsuits. There'll probably be more lawsuits. Secretary Vilsack said that during the last administration, a uh, trader in chief Benedict Donald, only 0.1% of the COVID relief passed for American farmers went to black farmers. Secretary Vilsack said under the Trump administration, only 0.1%, one-tenth of 1% one of the COVID relief Passed for American farmers went the black farmers. So all the white farmers, and we may have some listen to the show. You can feel free to call us. 313-778-7600. All the white farmers crying about discrimination. Why would you cry about discrimination under Trump when you got 99% of the 26 billion? That's what I find interesting. See, if you if you had been fighting for African-American farmers to get some of the money and yelling and screaming and crying and filing lawsuits, okay, well, I can say, okay, well, cool, you know, I I, 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 can, I can get down with that. But not this right here. You were silent then. You were complicit. Okay, so I want to go to uh, this interview that Roland did with uh, Secretary Vilsack, Secretary of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, because they dealt with policies that deal directly with African-Americans. So let's go to uh, clip one, Jalen.
2: The Department of Agriculture is clearing the way for nearly 13,000 black and other minority farmers to see thousands of dollars in loan forgiveness beginning next month. Nearly $5 billion in the American Rescue Plan is allocated for debt relief for disadvantaged farmers of color in hopes of remedying centuries of government discrimination. But the relief plan for disadvantaged farmers touted by Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock has been delayed for months. Today, the USDA began notifying eligible applicants that the money is now available. The new program aimed at repairing the department's discriminatory legacy faces backlash from white farmers who are suing the USDA to stop it. They're claiming it's reverse discrimination. <laughs> Y'all, seriously, seriously, today I spoke with the Agriculture Secretary, Tom Vilsack, about the program, about uh, the lawsuit, and also about his tumultuous relationship with the National Black Farmers Association. Is our conversation. Secretary Bill i uh, glad to have you on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, we talked when you were uh, Secretary of Agriculture under President Barack Obama on my old show, so glad to have you uh, back.
3: Nice to be back with you. i like the
2: T-shirt. Uh, uh, well, I started this segment uh, called Where's Our Money? Uh, a few years ago, I spoke uh, to a group in Cincinnati, and, 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 and uh, I, I was a keynote speaker that a whole initiative where they were focused on uh, economic inclusion, economic uh, economic apartheid, uh, building financial freedom for African-Americans. So we created this segment, and this this, this ongoing battle with black farmers has been a part of that. Uh, $5 billion uh, was in the American Rescue Plan, uh, and 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 it's not solely for black farmers. So explain to us exactly where that is. I know there's a lawsuit. Uh, Has any money been dispersed? Exactly what is going on with that particular uh, $5 billion allocation? Uh,
3: Next week, uh, the Federal Registry will contain a notice of funds availability, which is a technical term indicating that we have received permission from the Office of Management and Budget to begin the process of paying uh, off the debts of socially disadvantaged farmers. These are farmers who have been discriminated against based on ethnicity uh, uh, and race. Uh, So defined by a 1990 uh, piece of legislation. Uh, What we're going to do now, uh, a letter is going to go out to each farmer who has a direct loan with the United States Department of Agriculture. These are farmers that borrowed money from the USDA, either to purchase a farm, to operate a farm, or to have farm storage facilities built and constructed. Uh, These letters will go out and they will essentially say, uh, We've calculated the amount of your outstanding balance, principal, interest, and fees. This is what we calculate the debt to be. We're going to pay that debt off. And if you agree with this amount, we will also ask that you sign a copy of the letter, return it to USDA, and when you do, we will send you a check for 20% of the amount of the outstanding balance of the loan. Now, the reason we're sending that 20%, Roland, is because these farmers, once the debts are paid off, will have a tax responsibility, a liability, and the 20% is designed to help them pay that tax. We're focusing on direct borrowers initially because they represent roughly 85% of the entire borrowers that are affected by this piece of legislation. The other borrowers are called guaranteed borrowers. These are people Mm -hmm. that went out, borrowed money from a bank, and we at USDA guaranteed the loan. A little more complicated because you got a bank involved. We're asking banks to give us uh, understanding of what the prepayment penalties are so we can include those in the payment to the bank uh, so that the farmer is not responsible for paying off uh, any prepayment penalty. And then we'll obviously get them the 20% as well. One other aspect of this is we're going to uh, provide assistance to farmers so that they understand about this tax circumstances situation. If they're still farming, uh, it's an opportunity for them to average their income over a three-year period and lower uh, the tax liability. They may need technical assistance, so we're going to encourage them to talk to their accountant or their tax preparer, or if they don't have one, to provide information about where they might be able to reach out to a community building organization that will assist them with that advice.
2: How do you, how do you respond to um, a group of white farmers who filed this lawsuit who say, oh, this is unfair, this is reverse discrimination? In fact, Senator Tim Scott, the only black Republican United States Senator, went on to face the nation uh, and, and criticized uh, this inclusion as if he didn't understand the years of discrimination that black farmers have actually faced, uh, uh, you know, uh, from, from the federal government.
3: Uh, I would tell uh, the good senator to read this book. Uh, it's a wonderful book uh, that basically charts and indicates the history uh, over a hundred year period. Uh, of the way in which the Department of Agriculture operated uh, to exclude and to prevent or to limit access to programs for uh, black farmers and socially disadvantaged farmers. So for a period of 100 years, things have been skewed against these socially disadvantaged producers. And the result is a gap has existed between those producers and white producers who had the full array of benefits at USDA. What is that gap? Well, white producers were able to grow their farms. They were able to increase the size of their farms, be able to purchase more, uh, more, better equipment, put their crop in the ground in a more timely way so their yields were greater. How does that impact and affect things today? Well, it creates a gap between those who had full access and those who didn't. How do I know there's a gap? Well, when we did COVID relief and we made payments to farmers, about 25% of those farmers were self-identified as either white, black, uh, Hispanic, whatever. Of that 25% universe, uh, white farmers received $5.5 billion of relief. Black farmers received $20 million of relief. Wow. There's a significant gap there, right? So this program isn't taking anything away from anyone. It's simply providing uh, a resource to begin a first step in closing that gap. The second step is to take the additional resources from the uh, from the uh, American Rescue Plan and begin a process of figuring out how better to provide technical assistance to socially disadvantaged producers so they access more programs at USDA, filling that gap in. How do we provide more market access? Create market opportunities for these farmers so that they actually have a profitable venture, that closes the gap. And how do we also address the issue of land access so they are able to grow their farms over time? Part of that is the heirs' property issue, as you know. Uh, The title to farms can sometimes be difficult based on the fact that many black farmers didn't have wills. And so over a period of time, their, their land became fractionally owned by a lot of folks. Well. We're now going to set up a process where where we'll allow uh, folks to clear the title, if you will, of that land, which will also make uh, more programs available to folks. So the whole goal here is to try to begin the process over time uh, to fill the gap and to make sure that USDA is a department that's available to all producers, not just a select few.
2: I would also say what's important to say to Senator Tim Scott and these white farmers who are complaining. Also, you you have white nationalist Stephen Miller, who's also whining on Fox News about this. Is that these white farmers have benefited billions of dollars from taxpayer money? Black folks also pay taxes. Black folks have been investing in this, and so this whole notion that somehow black farmers are getting a leg up—the numbers don't lie.
0: Okay, we're gonna we're gonna pause it right there. We're coming up on a break. Uh, you listen to the African History Network show right here on nine ten AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. And uh, that was an excerpt of Roland Martin interviewing U.S. Secretary of Agriculture uh, Tom Vilsack on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break, and I'll let you hear what I said when I was on uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered when we went to the panel discussion. We'll be back in a few minutes.
1: The vision of Adele Media, the views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 910 AM Superstation or Adele Media.
0: Welcome back to the Afternoon History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation and Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well. All right, share this broadcasting on social media platforms. invite your friends to tune in also um, be sure to re- we posted the link here be sure to register for the online course that I teach uh ancient at the Moors and of Maafa understand the transatlantic slave trade what they didn't teach you in school and we do with thousands of years of history and we deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place okay um We teach the class on Saturdays, uh, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we do the classes live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch them over and over again. So we had a great class on Saturday, May 22nd, with African-American female archaeologist, Sister Nubia Warford. Uh, We dealt with the origins of ancient Kush. We dealt with the African queens of antiquity. We talked about the Kandakis. We talked about African queens like Shikito. Um, in Nubia, uh, ta Okay. So it was a, it was a great class. All right. I want to go back and we're going to continue here. Uh, we were talking about the plight of African-American farmers and you've heard me talk about this actually for a few years now, going back to about 2018, we talked about the African-American farmers in Memphis, Tennessee, who were alleging they were they were sold uh, defective soybean seeds by a seed company, and the soybean seeds did not yield the amount of bushels of soybeans that normal soy- soybean seeds would do would yield, and they were alleging this was a, uh, an attempt to steal their land. We know African-American farmers have lost 92% of their land over the past 100 years. They lost about 12 million acres of land. Um. So this deals with the uh, $5 billion in uh, debt relief for African-American farmers and farmers of color that are in the uh, $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. And the reason why it's in there is because of people like Senator Raphael Warnock, Senator Cory Booker, okay, and because African-Americans, Hispanics, Asian-Americans went out and voted and put Democrats in control, of the House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate, and the White House. Because no Republican, once again, I can't stress this enough, no Republican in the House of Representatives, and there's 200 of them, no Republican in the House of Representatives or any of the 50 in the Senate voted for this bill. And this bill bill even helps Republicans that voted to put these Republicans in office. So uh, we're going to go back to this here. Uh, If you read this article from uh, New York Times, now this one is from may nineteenth, twenty 2021 banks fight four billion dollar debt relief plan for black farmers banks fight four billion dollar debt relief plan for black farmers okay um lenders are pressuring the agriculture department to give them more money saying quick repayments will cut into profits now begging the government to give them more money i mean i thought that was socialism, you know that's, that's what they say it is when we want something. They say, oh, it's socialism. Now, now, now the banks, these billionaires, these multimillionaires, billionaires, now they want a bailout from the banks. Uh, they want a bailout from the government, okay? Uh when we want something, it's called socialism. You just 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 watch that, okay? So we all um uh, also I was sharing with you the interview that uh Roland Martin did with Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack on Roller Martin Unfiltered from Friday, May 21st, 2021. I was a panelist on that show. I'm a panelist each Friday on Roller Martin Unfiltered. So we discussed it after the interview. Also, we were talking about this piece here from Axios.com from May 22nd, 2021. USDA to begin loan payments for black, other minority farmers. Read this as well, because it's going to start in June. The loan forgiveness and the cash payments are going to start in June of 2021. All right. I want to go back to uh, this interview here, so we can finish this up. Okay, let's go back to uh, clip one, Jalen.
3: No, no. Uh, there's there's no question about this, and 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 it's important for folks to understand. Uh, in the past, there have been specific acts designed to compensate individual farmers for specific acts of discrimination that were directed at them personally. The Pigford cases, for example, the Keepseagle case for uh, Native Americans, the Hispanic and Garcia and love cases for Hispanic and women farmers. But in this circumstance, this this situation is not about individually compensating individual farmers for discrimination. It's about a reflection that as, as a group, black farmers, Hispanic farmers, Native American farmers, men and women, both, uh, have been discriminated against over a period of time and their capacity to access programs at USDA has been limited. And because of that, over a period of time as a group, They've had fewer opportunities to expand, fewer opportunities to be profitable, and so this is really tr- designed to respond to the cumulative effect of discrimination, as opposed to a specific act of discrimination. And it's really and, and I think it's reflected in the COVID. My five and a half billion dollars versus twenty billion dollars. I mean, when you know, it's pretty clear here that the system is designed and set up uh, to benefit those who have large farms and those who have uh, significant yields. Well, who are those people? Well, most often, they are white farmers.
2: Um, you also, New York Times reported this, that you have these three b- banking groups, the American Bankers Association, the Independent Community Bankers of America, and the National Rural Lenders Association, complaining that this program is going to cause folks to pay off their debts early, is going to hurt them. I mean, I, I mean, well, geez, I mean, uh, black farmers, we've seen a dramatic decrease in the, 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 the land of black farmers, We've seen uh, what they had to deal with. And now you've got these banking groups
3: whining about them getting relief. Well, here's what's really interesting about this. Banks, as you know, put into the contract, into the loan, a prepayment penalty. It basically says, look, if you're going to pay us off early, you're going to have to pay us more money. You're going to have to pay us 3% of the loan or 4% or 5%. That that prepayment penalty is calculated by banks to make up whatever theoretical loss they may incur by having the loan paid off early. And number one, we're going to pay the prepayment penalty. We meaning the USDA. Farmers are not going to pay it. The USDA is going to pay it. So banks are going to get that three additional 3% or 5%. Plus they get the loan. They obviously get to loan, the money back out again, and they may be able to loan it at a higher interest rate, which means they'll probably make more money. And then finally with any outstanding loan, there's always the risk that the loan doesn't get paid And there's foreclosure actions and expenses involved in that. And there's actually a loss that often occurs. Well, we're eliminating any risk of foreclosure here because we're paying off all of the loans. No one is going to be foreclosed on. No one's going to eventually have to go into bankruptcy. Those are expenses the banks have to incur. So, frankly, I am surprised. And I'm actually, uh, you know, I, I think it's incredible that some banks have suggested, well, geez, if you pay us off, That may mean that we may not lend money in the future to socially disadvantaged farmers. I mean, seriously? I mean, it's just shocking to me that people would even make that argument, given the prepayment penalty, given the fact that there's no risk of foreclosure or, or, or loss, and given the fact that they can lend the money out maybe at a higher interest rate. I mean, it's just incredible.
2: So there's been a lot of friction uh, between you and the National Black Farmers. I've had John Board on my show many times. Uh they were very adamant against you being a reappointed as Secretary of Agriculture. Uh how have y'all uh come together, sat down uh to mend the relationship, build a relationship, repair a relationship uh in order to move forward uh and 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 what what are you also doing uh to go through uh the Agriculture Department uh, and, and and deal with uh, the systemic racism uh, because, look, y- you control a significant budget, a huge budget, uh, and and the USDA goes way beyond just farms. Uh, a lot of people have no idea about that. And so, you know, what are you doing to to ensure that we're seeing black economic social justice take place in USDA? So first, the relationship with the Black Farm Association, and also your plans to revamp this department and really make it accessible to African-Americans.
3: Well, I have been in touch with John Boyd as I was during the previous Obama administration, and we actually worked collectively, collaboratively together on the Pickford settlement. Uh, we were working together to get more money. Uh, I went to President Obama and asked to increase the level of Pickford payments from $100 million that Congress had authorized to $1.1 $1. $1 billion. So we were able to secure an additional billion of dollars. Uh, I have reached out to John. We've uh, texted back and forth. Dwayne Goldman, who is the first ever uh, senior advisor for for uh, racial equity in my office uh, directly reports to me has also uh, been in touch with uh, Mr. Boyd, and we have made an effort not only to reach out to his association but to all of the associations to get input uh, first and foremost about how best to uh, organize and operate uh, this debt forgiveness program. And I think we've taken into consideration the the input that we've received from that outreach. We've uh, uh, we've had a call center. We've had uh, put frequently asked questions on the website, and we've also had meetings uh, with uh, with these groups to solicit their input. In fact, I just got off uh, a, a call uh, that the White House organized with a number of these groups to give them a heads up on our on what's happening in terms of the debt forgiveness program. So there's been significant outreach, and that's going to continue. Now, why is it going to continue for two reasons? One, uh, the President of the United States, President Biden, has directed every department to do an internal investigation and review of their of, of the services, the benefits, the procurement practices to, to determine whether or not there indeed exist systemic barriers, uh, and if so, to remove those barriers and to improve the services, the benefits, uh, the procurement uh, to make sure that we are uh, treating everyone fairly and equitably. So there's an internal review process. We have working groups that have already been set up That are already beginning that work across the board. As you say, we have quite a number of mission areas, so it's going to be a complete review internally. But we're going to go one step further. Congress has instructed us to create an equity commission. Uh, This is a commission that has to be set up according to congressional rules. So we are in the process of finalizing the charter for that commission. Uh, We will then open it up for nominations for people to serve in that commission. And those folks will be experts who will look at USDA from the outside in. So we have an internal process of review. We also have an external process. And the expectation is for both of those processes will identify barriers and problems and be able to set make a set of recommendations. And then we'll uh, go through the process of figuring out how best to implement those recommendations. So at the end of the day, we have a USDA that is far more fair and equitable to everyone. That's the goal. Um, and. Uh, the, the second piece of this is to make sure that our senior executive team, our leadership team, is reflective of the diversity that we represent at USDA, the diversity that we serve at USDA. Uh, and so if you take a look at our appointments, uh, Dr. Joe Bernal, first African-American woman to serve as deputy of the Department of Agriculture, former commissioner of, uh, uh, in Virginia of Agriculture and Consumer Services, someone who has a historic black college background, so she has connections uh, to that important universe that we want to work with. Uh, so that is a representative of, of many, many appointments that we're making that reflect uh, a commitment to diversity and inclusion. So between our senior executive staff, our internal review and our external review and our outreach efforts generally uh, around the debt relief efforts, uh, all of that I think uh, reflects a, a genuine good faith effort to try to get things right at USDA. And then finally, we do have the additional money. Uh, in the American Rescue Plan that basically directs us to figure out ways in which we can improve uh, access to technical assistance, market access, and land access, and we'll be implementing that uh, effort over the course of the next uh, uh, six to eight months.
2: Uh, last thing I would say as a part of that might be a little bit selfish, but I've been as a part of this segment really also pressing, uh, the Biden administration to deal with the issue of equity when it comes to also media advertising. There was mm-hmm. a survey done three years ago. The federal government spent five billion dollars over five years, uh, and only 1% with the black owned media. And so I would also say as a part of that, you also look at the, the, the folks who handle the advertising for, uh, for the USDA. Uh, who has a contract to ensure that they are also uh, doing the exact same thing, and that is working with black-owned media, because we see the exact same problem. So what black farmers have been dealing with, we and black-owned media have been dealing with, not only in major corporate America, but even with the federal government.
3: We did that in the last time I was uh, secretary, and that's a, a very good suggestion, and it goes to President Biden's d- direction to, for us to take a look at our procurement practices. Uh, he is very, very serious about this, and he recognizes uh, – the importance of making sure that we're equitable across the board. All right. Secretary Tom Vilsack. I appreciate it. I look forward to having you back. Take care.
2: So folks, you heard me reference Senator Tim Scott on face the nation. He was on may 2nd and this is what Senator Tim Scott, the only black Republican U S Senator from South Carolina had to say about that money in the bill for black farmers. Listen to this nonsense.
3: When you say one side is talking about taking from one side to the other, I mean, this is, you know, people pay taxes and there's an argument that, that the taxes that are paid should go to communities that, that we've seen, especially under COVID-19, have been disproportionately affected and that that's laid bare a lot of the inequities. So you're, it's, you're not saying that, that making sure that there's money that goes to those black communities is a bad thing.
4: Well, John, let me say it differently. When you pass a COVID package with $2 trillion of spending, and in your package you hide in there, if you are a black farmer, we will give you resources. But if you are a white farmer, you are excluded from those same resources. That's taking from one to give to the other. It's one of the reasons why in the 1990s the USDA had to pay out the Pickford settlements to black farmers for taking from them to give to white farmers. So we're going to reverse that and call that a way of creating fairness in our country? That doesn't really work.
2: Let's go to my panel, Bernardo Villalona, Senior Trial, Senior Trial Counsel, Joey Jackson Law Firm, Michael M. Hotep, host of African History Network, Brittany Lee Lewis, Political Analyst. Brittany, I want to start with you. It, it really pisses me off when I, when I play that sound by the Senator Tim Scott. You, you heard Secretary Vilsack lay out the billions that went to white farmers in the last four years, but actually the last 50, 50 to 100 years, and how black farmers got screwed. And all of a sudden, money gets put in a bill to rectify the problem, and he's like, "Well, it's not fair. I'll take your money away from white farmers." <laughs> and it's like, d- "Damn!" So the white farmers got 50 billion. Now disadvantaged farmers got to share of 5 billion, and the white folks, well, can we get a can we get a piece of that too? And to have Senator Tim Scott sitting there saying that BS, I mean, that's just pathetic.
5: I mean, Roland, I I feel like it's very on brand for our our buddy, Senator Scott, uh, very on brand for him. And like you said, you know, the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture laid laid it out, uh, you know, plain as day regarding the historical inequalities that black farmers have faced. And, you know, with Senator Scott, I really I'm like, is this man really that dense? Or is it just truly, you know, t- to live up to his image and his role, you know, in the GOP? Because it doesn't it, it literally doesn't make sense. He, he cannot be that dense. <laughs> uh,
2: the thing here that just really just just chaps behind Bernarda uh, is that he, that these black farmers, I'm talking about the numbers. We used to have a million black farmers is down to 40,000 in this country. Mm-hmm. The land we own has gone down dramatically. They have documented confirmed racism for decades in USDA. And here the people watching have to understand. USDA has the second largest budget behind the Pentagon. Folks, number two. And Bernardo, the thing is and people also don't realize the USDA has the largest federal bank out of any department. A significant number of things in America have been built in rural America that was funded by the USDA bank. So white farmers have used the Department of Agriculture, taxpayer money, as their personal piggy bank. And you got these white farmers and Senator Tim Scott whining and complaining because finally we're trying to rectify the problem.
5: Oh, and I think Senator Tim Scott, in his mind, he thinks that he's actually sane and normal. Obviously, he's been drinking his own Kool-Aid for too long that he doesn't realize what he is saying, how it actually affects people, because he's doing a bit too much in order to satisfy his GOP, in order to move forward, to continue getting the votes and being the person that he is. For me, I'm just embarrassed. I am insulted by his comments. And, you know, it's just ignorant.
0: Hey, pause hey, 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 pa- 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 pause it right there, Jalen. Pause right there. Pause right there. Okay. Everybody, listen to this. Press play. Oh, we're coming up on a break. <laughs> we got, we got, okay, pa- pause it right there. I forgot. <laughs> we're coming up on a break. <laughs> we'll hold that to the other side. You, you're going to hear my response. You, look, We're coming up here on a break. Uh, you listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel, and we'll go to the phone lines also when we come back from the break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, um, May 23rd, 2021, and we are live. Uh, Calling number is 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600. Calling number if you have a quick question or comment. Uh, we're talking about the um, for the uh, attack by white farmers and now also banks on the debt relief for African-American farmers that's in the 1.9 trillion dollar American Rescue Plan uh, There's four billion dollars set aside for debt relief uh, there's a uh, bigger article from uh, the New York Times uh, that deals with this that uh, we talked about earlier in the show um, and then there's another one it there's one dealing with from the Times dealing with the four billion dollars and we're gonna pull that one uh, back up. Uh, then you have, yeah, this one right here. Uh, black uh, Banks fight $4 billion debt relief plan for black farmers. Banks fight $4 billion debt relief plan uh, for black farmers. And I just shared with you the interview that uh, Roland Martin did with US Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack where they discussed all these issues, as well as when the payments, uh, when, when the debt relief would start the loan forgiveness for these loans. And it's going to start in June and cash payments are going to start also going to African-American farmers, Hispanic farmers, and Asian-American farmers. Read this article here from uh, the New York Times from uh, May 19th, 2021. Banks fight $4 billion debt relief plan for black farmers. Lenders are pressuring the agriculture department to give more money, saying quick repayments will cut into profits, saying quick repayments will cut into profits. Then also there was the um, uh, there was. Also, the article from uh, The New York Times from I think this was May 22nd, 2021 was a big article. Uh, You can feel the tension. "Quote: You can feel the tension." And quote, "A windfall for minority farmers divides rural America." This deals about this deals with how some white farmers are jealous and crying foul and crying reverse discrimination and all types of nonsense like this for the loan forgiveness for African American farmers and non-white farmers, but these same white farmers were silent when they got almost twenty-six billion dollars from the Trump administration and African-American farmers got one-tenth of one percent, okay, they, they were silent. Now, if, if white farmers were involved in, you know, lawsuits on behalf of African-American farmers and, uh, you know, back in 2020 and saying it's, it's wrong to uh, discriminate against African-American farmers and lock them out of this 26 billion and they're only getting one-tenth of one percent and white farmers were saying Black Lives Matter and all this stuff, okay, well, You know, if there was reciprocity, I could understand it. But no, it's not reciprocity. You're just greedy and you're crying and you're whining. Uh, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack, March 25th, 2021, when he was interviewed by Washington Post, he he said that only 0.1% of Trump administration's COVID farm relief went to black farmers. I hear any of these white farmers crying discrimination and racism then. So we discussed this on Roland Martin Unfiltered after uh, Roland interviewed uh, the Secretary of Agriculture. And we're going to go back to this clip here because this was my response. Let's go back to this, uh, Jalen.
2: Michael, your thoughts. Yes.
0: Well, brother, you know, I've been talking about this, man, for... Uh, a few months now. And, uh, you know, on my show, I shared the May 2nd interview that Tim Scott did on Face the Nation. This ties, I cannot stress this enough, Roland, this ties directly into the GOP rebuttal speech that Tim Scott gave Wednesday, April 28th, because in that speech, right after he said, America's not a racist country. The next thing he said was it's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And the, the $5 billion that he attacked on Face the Nation, this is how Republicans think. This ain't just Tim Scott. I understand you playing that segment. You have to understand, this is how Republicans think. Senator Lindsey Graham has been attacking the $5 billion, calling it racist and calling it reparations. He was on Fox News attacking this. So uh, I'm I'm glad you did the interview with uh, Secretary Vilsack. I'm glad also they're going to focus in on heirs' property. Because I've been studying the ways that African-American farmers have lost their land, 12 million acres of land over the past 100 years. And heirs' property is one of the ways that was used to steal our land, as well as over-assessing the tax liabilities on these lands as well, brother. So this is an example of how elections have consequences. I can't stress this enough. And lastly, Roland, not a single traitors, Republican in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate voted for this $1.9 trillion American rescue plan that has the $5 billion in it going to farmers of color. Including. All right, pause it right there, Jalen. Pause right there. Okay, and uh, go back and read this article in its entirety from the Washington Post, um, April 29, 2021. Senator Tim Scott's comments on race ignited fiery debate. Go read that entire article. Go watch the entire almost 15-minute rebuttal that Tim Scott did, because as, as I've been saying for weeks now, that was the GOP rebuttal, which really lays out their policy platform. And all you have to do is watch the policies, watch the bills that are being signed, watch what's coming out of state legislatures in Idaho and Texas and, and places like this. Watch them attack critical race theory, Watch them attack the sixteen, nineteen project, uh, and in in um, what it, what Tim Scott also said was in the uh, in the speech, he talked about what was taught in schools, and he said a uh, hundred years ago. He said a hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today kids again are taught, uh, today kids uh, again are being taught that the color of their skin defines them. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. This directly attacks critical race theory and directly attacks the 1619 Project. Oh, that, that, That speech that was given was not the Tim Scott speech. That was the GOP rebuttal to Joe Biden's speech to a joint session of Congress, which is a roadmap for the GOP, their ideology, and their policies. This is why they have to be stopped. This is why they have to be stopped. When you see stuff like this come out of Oklahoma, for instance, okay? Now, this is from um, March 10th, 2021. Let's pull this one up. Uh, first, let me show you this one. During the break and uh, during during the uh, interview, I uh, pulled up some different uh, articles here. This one we talked about back uh, February second, twenty twenty one. We are facing extinction. Black farmers in steep decline. Okay, I talked about this on this show when this article came out. No active black farmers are left in a historic Kansas community, where hundreds migrated a century ago to escape racism and poverty, okay? Then various executive orders coming out of the Biden administration we talked about here on this show. We don't deal with gossip and, you know, Oprah and Gail and Jada Pinkett-Smith and all that. We don't deal with all that BS. We don't have time for that, okay? We deal with like substance here. Um, go to whitehouse.gov and read the uh, executive orders, okay? Uh, let me just show you a few of the things that we've talked about here over the past few months. Uh, this, this is the fact sheet, President Biden, to take action to advance racial equity and support underserved communities. This references to what Secretary Tom Vilsack said in the interview. This is from January 26, 2021. How many people have read this? How many people didn't know this existed? This from January. He was sworn in January 20th. There were 10 executive orders that he signed January 20th. We've talked about that here on the show. This was January 26th. Go read this. Uh, Then you have, let me see. I want to just show you the ones that I just showed you while uh, doing the interview. Uh, This one here, memorandum on redressing our nations and the federal government's history of discriminatory housing practices and policies. January 26, 2021 also. Read that as well. Then we have, because uh, that deals with redlining and all, all that, discriminatory housing practices, which tie into the wealth gap. That's part of what contributes to the racial wealth gap. Then we have uh, this one right here. This is from day one, January 20th. That was the day of the inauguration. There were 10 executive orders signed that day. You can read them all at whitehouse.gov. Executive order on advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government. Okay. So this is what I was showing during uh, the, the, the interview. Now, uh, there was one other one. Oh, okay. And I showed you the facts you put American Rescue Plan. We talked about that as well. Uh, go read that also. Now, there was. Okay. This one right here from Oklahoma, and this is from Huffington Post. I'm going to see if we can pull this up quickly here. Um, Oklahoma House of Representatives.
1: Let me see. Oklahoma. Oklahoma House passes bill to give immunity to drivers who hit riders. Okay, this is from, uh, this one here is from the Huffington Post. Who who do you think this is targeted towards? Oklahoma House passes
0: bill to give immunity, let me put these ads out of here, to give immunity to drivers who hit protesters. The legislation approved by the Republican-led House, this is in Oklahoma, the state house of representatives, the legislation approved by the Republican-led House comes after Black Lives Matter protesters last summer, uh, Black Lives Matter protests last summer against racist police violence. So I want to make sure I understand this. Okay, so Black Lives Matter protesters protest against racist police violence the response to that from the Oklahoma state legislature is to pass a law giving immunity from anybody who drives into a crowd of Black Lives Matter protesters and hits them or kills them. That's the response. This is from, how many people saw this? This is from March 10th, 2021. See, this is, this is why state legislatures are so important and who's in state legislature, who, who, who's in office in the state legislature, state, state senate and state house of representatives.
1: The Republican majority
0: Oklahoma State House passed a bill on Wednesday. This is back in March, early March, mid-March, that would grant immunity to drivers who unintentionally run over protesters. Oops, my foot slipped. Oops, I did it again. Oops, did I do that? They're going to do a Steve Urkel and, and a Britney Spears. Remember Britney Spears said, oops, I did it again. And Steve Urkel said, did I do that? Okay. Somebody said my foot slipped. I got a cramp in my foot. My foot went down on the L- uh, accelerator. I just ran into a, a crowd of 50 Black Lives Matter protesters. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to run you all over. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to back up over you either. I'm sorry. I, you know, my, my, I got a, I, my arthritis. My, you know, I got a cramp in my arthritis when I put in reverse and I ran back over you again. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Did I do that? In an early morning vote along party lines, with 79 votes in favor and 18 votes against, state lawmakers approved legislation that would remove criminal or civil liability for any driver who unintentionally injures or kills someone. Hold on, I want you to understand. You don't, you don't understand how crazy these people are, okay? who unintentionally injures or kills someone while fleeing from a riot as long as they have a reasonable belief that fleeing would protect themselves from harm so now cuz so now you got to cuz you're going to have unreasonable people trying to run protesters
1: over and then they say i fear for my life
0: this is this is this is going to be the new I fear for my life, okay? You you already got police officers with guns when it's dealing with unarmed people saying "I fear for my life." Now you're gonna have people in cars saying "I fear for my life," so I ran these black uh, people over because I had to
1: get away. The bill would also allow
0: protesters to be charged. With a misdemeanor, if they unlawfully obstruct traffic punishable by up to a year in jail and a five thousand dollar fine. So I'm gonna make sure I understand this in Oklahoma. I ain't going in no well, uh, you know, Oklahoma you know Oklahoma's what Tulsa is. Oklahoma is what the Tulsa race massacre is. So they so they did this just a few months before the one hundredth anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre, when a bunch of jealous white people Estimates of ten thousand to fifteen thousand came into North Tulsa, and damn near destroyed it. Killed African Americans, looted our homes, burned down the homes. There's about twelve hundred homes uh, looted. Okay, now they now they're doing this. This is in March. They they're doing this like three months before the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre. The bill would also allow protesters to be charged with a misdemeanor if they unlawfully obstruct traffic punishable by a year in jail and a $5,000 fine. But if you accidentally run over a protester with your car, unintentionally, no penalty, no fine, no jail time. If you accidentally run them over and kill them, Not not a problem, nothing to see here. Your foot slipped, okay. The legislation follows widespread protests in Oklahoma and across the country last summer against racist police violence. Black Lives Matter protests have repeatedly been targeted by vehicle assaults. At one such protest in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a truck drove through Black Lives Matter protests. On a highway, several people were seriously injured, according to the Oklahoman, the newspaper there in Tulsa. And the county district attorney did not charge the driver.
1: You know, this sounds like
0: another Tulsa race massacre, but this time with a car. See, last time they used machine guns and they flew over in airplanes and dropped turpentine bombs. This time, they're using the vehicle. This this time, they're using a car with no guns.
1: Democratic State Representative Monroe Nichols,
0: who is African American, told his fellow lawmakers that he doesn't want to have to tell his 12-year-old son that the Oklahoma House, quote, made it so that folks who may advocate for people who look like him can be run over with immunity." End quote. The bill now heads over to the Republican-majority state Senate. Check out this uh, check out this article here from check out this article here from, Huffington uh, Post. Oklahoma House passes bill to give immunity to drivers who hit protesters. Also in Oklahoma, you know, they passed a bill to uh, ban critical race theory. We talked about this as well. Uh, which one was that? That was uh, Senator, uh, that was uh, Governor uh, Kevin Stitts. And he just got removed from the uh, commemorative 100th anniversary um, uh, committee or the Tulsa race massacre because he signed that bill in the law. They removed him from, um, from the uh, committee. We talked about that here on the show. Let me see something here. It was, let me try to pull this up quickly here. So, you have all this taking place and the attack on the 1619 project. We're going to go, we're going to go to that second clip, uh, dealing with, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones in the 1619 Project in just a second here, Jalen.
1: So if we look here,
0: um, ABC News reported Oklahoma Governor signs ban on teaching critical race theory. This was May 7th, 2021. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitz, Republican, of course, signs ban on teaching critical race theory. Oklahoma public school teachers will be prohibited from teaching certain concepts of race and racism under a bill signed into law by Governor Kevin Stitt. Oklahoma public school teachers will be prohibited from teaching, okay, the, the GOP-backed bill prohibits teaching of so-called critical race theory, Quote, now more than ever, we need policies that bring us together, not rip us apart. Governor Kevin Stitt said in a video statement on Twitter. As governor, I firmly believe that not one cent of taxpayer money should be used to define and divide young Oklahomans about their race or sex. That is what this bill upholds for public education. Now, the state house author of the bill, uh, who's more uh, representative Kevin West said he's heard reports of students being taught that because they are a certain race or sex, that they are inherently superior to others or should feel guilty for something that happened in the past. Among the concepts that would be prohibited are the end of, uh, are that individuals by virtue of race or gender are inherently racist, sexist or oppressive whether consciously or unconsciously. Read read the rest of this article here. See, this is what got hit. This is what got uh, little Kevin kicked off the uh, 100th anniversary committee for uh, the Tulsa Race Massacre.
1: So we have this taking place.
0: Then we see that when it comes to Nicole Hannah-Jones, and the 1619 Project. Uh, conservatives are attacking the 1619 Project. Now, you know, I've talked about it before, and it it, it is flawed. I wouldn't attack it. I wouldn't say you can't use parts of it in, uh, to teach history from. You saw the two-hour interview I did with uh, Dr. Darrell Scott, history professor at Howard University. And we dealt with the uh, myth that the 13th Amendment is tied to mass incarceration and is not. The 13th Amendment is based upon the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, has nothing to do with mass incarceration or anything like that. That's a total misunderstanding. He traced that myth back to uh, a, a prisoner in California in the 1960s named Lee Wood, who appears, it, it appears he was the first one to push this. Push this notion out here and make the correlation between the Thirteenth Amendment and mass incarceration—all this nonsense. Go, um, go, listen to the full two-hour interview that I did with a uh, uh, history professor at Howard University, Dr. Daryl Scott. Um, it's at our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. The African History Network. The African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael M Hotel. So. You have the attack on the 1619 project. And you have various states who are passing laws. That are restricting what can be taught about the history of slavery. And this also ties into the tax on critical race theory as well. So there's an article from uh, Washington uh, from NBC News UNC withholds tenure for 1619 Project Journalists after conservative backlash, okay? So conservatives are complaining that Nicole Hannah Jones was going to be offered a tenured professorship at the um, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill Journalism School,
1: and they complained and blocked it.
0: Now she's more than qualified to be Uh, a professor in the uh, journalism department, okay? This is not the history department, this is the journalism department. I want to pull up this article here from um, NBC News, because all this is connected. This is connected to the laws, the policies, this is connected to them fighting over what's going to be taught in schools. And then on tomorrow's show, we're gonna do this big story uh, there was a big article in uh, the New York Times dealing with Texas and how there's a fight over uh, the history that's going to be taught in schools in Texas and how to teach about the history of slavery in Texas. And we know we know Texas was admitted to the union in 1845 as a slaveholding state. Texas has a deep history of slavery. Okay, so there's a there's there's a uh, there's a fight over this going on in Texas right now. But if we look at this article here from uh, NBC News, UNC withholds tenure for 1619 Project journalists after conservative backlash. Okay, Um, UNC Chapel Hill's board of trustees did not approve tenure for Nicole Hannah-Jones, which a report claims was due to conservative pressure against the decision. So the 1619 Project has faced backlash. Now, some criticism has been legitimate, critiquing it, uh, and it caused the 1619 Project to adjust uh, a certain stance dealing with, you know, uh, historical claims. Okay, that's understandable. I I am for legitimate critiques of it, but not this nonsense. Uh, The University of North Carolina Chapel Hill Journalism School is not offering Nicole Hannah-Jones, the Pulitzer Prize winner creator of the New York Times 1619 Project, a tenured professorship after facing pressure from conservatives. NC Policy Watch First reported that the UNC Chapel Hill's uh, board of trustees had decided not to approve tenure for Nicole Hannah-Jones at the Hussman School of Journalism and Media. According to the 19th, the publication the 19th, she is the first person, according to the 19th, she is the first person in this role at UNC Chapel Hill to be denied tenure by the board. Okay, according to the 19th, she is the first person in this role at UNC Chapel Hill to be denied tenure by the board. Now, um, the university announced last month uh, that Nicole Hannah-Jones would join the school as the night chair in race and investigative journalism in July 2021. The night chair in race and investigative journalism in July 2021. Conservatives quickly condemned the university's decision to offer Nicole Hannah-Jones the tenure track position. Now, when asked, it now when asked, okay, so why did they deny her this? It's speculated that the the reason that they're giving is saying that. Um she lacks uh academic experience. Okay. This is the this is the reason that the ostensible reason that is being given. Uh an associate professor at Hussman named uh Dean uh Freeland, D E E N, Dean Freeland, and let me scroll down to that, uh said he and other faculty were shot right here. Dean Freeland, an associate professor at Hussman, the School of Journalism there at UNC Chapel Hill, said he and other faculty were shocked and blindsided by the board's decision. Associate Professor Dean Freeland said faculty members were told that the board chose not to act on Nicole Hannah-Jones tenure because of her lack of academic experience. But he went on to say, Quote, there have been other folks who have been tenured from various professional realms that have also not had a whole lot of academic experience. So they came from the real world, whatever the profession they were in, they were very experienced in the profession. They were at the height of their careers. They got tenureship at a university because of their professional experience, not because of how long they've taught in the university, at the university. Because because oftentimes, the, you know, teaching at a university, you're like in the bubble. That's not the real world. The experience is out in the real world, not the classroom. She has real world experience, even though I disagree with her on some things. She has real world experience. So she's more than qualified to be a tenured professor. So Dean Freeland went on to say, so that justification just doesn't really hold a lot of water. He said, I've certainly observed that the board has a number of Republican and conservative individuals on it, the board there at University of Chapel Hill who made this decision. He said, I think you can make of that what you will. OK, so read this article. Read the. I don't have time to get through all of it. Read this here from NBC News. UNC withholds tenure for 1619 Project Journalists after conservative backlash, OK? Uh, I want to remind you also, before we run out of time here, Register for the online course that I teach, Ancient Kemet the Moors and the Ma'afa, Understand the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. This is a nine-week online course that I teach, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time each Saturday. Uh, we deal with thousands of years of history and what led up to the Transatlantic Slave Trade taking place. We, we also uh, deal with the uh, the African presence in this land we call the United States of America, going back thousands of years ago. And, uh, I'm going to reach out to Dr. David M. Hotel again to, uh, come speak to my class again. He, 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 um spoke to my class back in March 2021 when I taught the class. He's one of my guest speakers. We do the classes live. All the sessions are recorded, so you can go back and watch it over and over again. The class is regularly $130. It's on sale $80. So, um, you can, we just posted a link here. You can register for it as soon as you. Registered, you can watch the class from Saturday, May 22nd. Our guest speaker was cultural it was cultural archaeologist and cultural scientist, Sister Nubia Wartford, who travels to the Sudan to do archaeological digs. We dealt with the origins of ancient Kush and the African queens of antiquity. Um, you can support the African History Network also. Dollar sign the AHN show through cash app. Dollar sign the AHN show through cash app. Also through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, or at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. And uh, we have the lecture that I've done dealing with, it's a two and a half hour lecture I've done dealing with the history of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's a fantastic presentation, Um, Black Wall Street from Destruction to the Resurrection of Economic Empowerment. That's on the homepage of our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. Also, we have that in DVD format and digital download format uh, as well, okay? Um, so on our show, uh, on tomorrow's show, I we're going to talk about this story here out of Texas, all right? And I know we're about to lose uh, 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF, so those watching on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I am HOTEP. Keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting for a few more minutes. Uh, We're going to wrap this up here because I want to go to this segment here from uh, MSNBC dealing with uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. But this is something we're going to talk about on on tomorrow's show. Uh, This is out of Texas. Texas pushes to obscure the state's history of slavery and racism. Texas is a wash in bills aimed at fending off critical examinations of the state's past. Now, this is from the New York Times. OK, this is a big article from the New York Times, May 20th, 2021. Uh, this ties into all this fight that's going on right now over history and how to teach the history. Whoever controls the teaching of the history controls the trajectory of the future. This is why you have Republicans trying to shut down the teaching of critical race theory, attacking the 1619 Project, trying to shut down teaching about the history of slavery. And this ties directly into the policies that people craft and people support and who they vote into office. OK, we're out of time here on 19 a.m. Superstation WFDF. Remember, right now it's correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Peace. All right. Stand by, everybody. We're going to keep going here for a few more minutes. How's everybody doing? Okay, uh, I wanna go to uh, this last segment here. And they talked, then when the call Hannah-Jones, they talked about this on the beat with Ari Melber. Um, and Dr. Jason Johnson was sitting in for uh, Ari Melber. This is from Friday, May 21st, 2021. So all of this is connected. The laws, the policies, racism, systemic racism, the, the teaching of the history I mean, all of this is connected okay how's everybody doing okay let me see who we're going to go to this clip here and wrap this up it's been shh, I'm tired it's been it's been hectic i have a lot of work to do okay we got brother kabaka in detroit uh who else do we have here
1: um
0: Uh, Renetta, Gregory, Robert, okay, just a few of the people watching. Share is broadcasting on social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in. Who still needs to register for the online course that I teach? Uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Mahafa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Also, I'm going to post a link here for the, uh, this is for my lecture dealing with the history of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We also have bundle packs. Uh, at at my website, africanhistorynetwork.com, but this is, um, that's the link for the uh, DVD lecture that I've done, dealing with the History of Black Wall Street. We also have it in digital download format uh, as well. Okay. Yeah, I want to go to this clip here from um, The Beat with Ari Melber. Dr. Jason Johnson uh, was sitting in for uh, Ari Melber, and they were dealing with, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones being denied the a GOP-pushing a GOP bill to ban teaching of history of slavery. But they also talked about uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones as well. Let's go to this clip.
6: Now that a conservative effort to suppress classroom lessons about racism and slavery, the Times reporting on nearly a dozen Republican-led states seeking to ban or limit how the role of slavery and the pervasive effects of racism can be taught. Fox News goes all in on the issue. Curriculum that teaches their kids to hate their country. The political left in perpetuating this myth that America is a fundamentally racist country. Joe Biden now wants to spend your money on critical race theory lessons for our country's already distressed students. Last month, the Department of Education proposed a regulation that directs tax dollars to the race hustlers who traffic in this poison. Tucker is the last person who should be talking about any form of trafficking. Now, parts of academia are aligning with the right-wing rhetoric, and in doing so, exhibiting cowardice and a lack of integrity.
0: So that, that was a little punk-ass Tucker Carlson, Tuckums, or as uh, Joanne Reed calls him, Tuckums. And, and, and Tucker Carlson called Joanne Reed on MSNBC the race lady. See, Tucker Carlson's a white supremacist over at Fox News. He's a white supremacist. Okay, let's continue. Pulitzer prize winning journalist
6: Nicole Hannah-Jones, a recipient of the MacArthur Fellowship Genius Grant, you don't hand those out to everybody, whose 1619 Project famously looked at the legacy of U.S. slavery, and who this year was appointed the prestigious night chair in race and investigative journalism at the University of North Carolina, which is usually a tenured job, except not this time. In a highly unusual step, University's Board of Trustees denied Hannah-Jones tenure, breaking with the recommendation of the actual journalism department that was hiring her. It's already provoking a backlash. The UNC board claiming today Hannah Jones has a limited, quote-unquote, academic background, even though she received her master's degree from, wait for it, University of North Carolina, which I should note is also my alma mater where I got my doctorate, and I know the difficulty that they put people through. So what's really going on here? Well, first, there's the larger issue of diversity in academia. It's important to note Just 5% of tenured professors at bachelor's universities in America are black. There are a larger percentage of African-American astronauts than black people who are tenured in this country. It's easier for us to get shot into space than actually teach undergrads. But there's also the cowardice element. Universities supposedly committed to the free exchange of ideas, which is now afraid of what Nicole Hannah-Jones might say in the classroom. We prefer to bend to politicians like Mitch McConnell, who is on a crusade against the 1619 Project, which I'm sure he hasn't read. And those voices over on, you know, the crazy place, Fox. The entirely fraudulent 1619 project headed by Nicole Hannah-Jones.
4: This uh, Hannah-Jones dispute leads to a larger question. Why was a woman who distorts history even up for a tenure position at any university in the first place?
6: That might be the largest number of black people they've ever had on their shows. Uh, you know I mean? That, uh, was, that, that
0: was Laura professor Ingram. And professor of, of Journalism at Columbia University, Jelani Cobb, an editor-at-large
6: for the 19th, and an MSNBC contributor, Aaron Haynes. Uh, I can't wait to have this discussion with both of you today. Aaron, I, I'm going to start with you. You wrote uh, really one of the first pieces that people were paying attention to in the 19th about UNC's board stepping in and stopping the department from offering tenure to Hannah Nicole Jones. But you also say this is part of a larger problem that we've got happening all across America right now?
5: Well, yes. And, and Jason, let me just stop you there. My colleague, Mariel Padilla, wrote that uh, story oh, yes. for the night. I'm glad that we had it on our site because it absolutely is in the wheelhouse of what we care about uh, at the 19th. But listen, uh, you know, I am based in Philadelphia where we love telling stories about the framers, the founding fathers, right? When it comes to folks like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, we can't tell that story about America enough, right? But, but when it comes right. to slavery, oh, why can't we move on? You know, let's let's move on. And as somebody who's long covered uh, race issues, uh, this backlash uh, against uh, telling the truth, uh, you know, I heard Laura Ingram say, uh, call it distorting history, but actually correcting the record. Uh, is, is um, you know, something that this is usually the reaction uh, to that from some corners of the country who really do not want to confront uh, that history in our country. And and listen, uh, you know, if journalism is about afflicting the comfortable, uh, Professor Hannah Jones has certainly struck a nerve here. Uh, that is a nerve that has been struck among members of Congress. It is a nerve that has been struck among, uh, you know, folks at, at the statehouse level that are trying to ban Uh, 1619 from curriculums, you know, at the state level. And and now it appears to have struck a nerve with uh, these folks at the uh, North Carolina University system, who, uh, you know, feel that that somebody who is frankly overqualified uh, and and whose credentials would certainly stack up, I would think, against any of uh, the night chairs that are teaching journalism at their esteemed program of of which she is, uh, you know, an alum uh, are now somehow, you know, shifting the goalpost and changing rules.
6: I want to follow up on this. So you've got all these state governments who are like, we're going to stop the teaching of the 1619 Project, which to me is equivalent to saying we're going to stop ninja lessons in gym, right? Like, what what is the school system that's demanding that students learn the 1619 Project? It seems to me that a lot of this anger is simply about the existence of the work because they can't seem to show any examples of where white kids in America are being taught to hate themselves.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, look... Yeah, so this this is, uh, the Pulitzer Center, you know, offered this curriculum to school districts across this country, many of whom took them up on that offer, right, because they are trying to fill in the gaps that, frankly, a lot of our Black mothers and fathers had to do for us because we were not learning the full U.S. history when we, uh, you know, were, were uh, you, you know, in elementary, middle, middle, high school, college in some cases, uh, you know, unless we were seeking that out on their own or unless uh you know our our families were were filling in those gaps for us. Uh, you know this was not history that was being taught and and so uh, you know now that that this is available uh, for folks uh there are folks at the state level uh, as there have been uh, folks at the state level. look, the daughters of the confederacy didn't want the Civil war uh, talked about, didn't right. want slavery talked about uh, in certain terms that that were mean or ugly or hurtful to uh, to the country or to certain uh, Americans so yeah, I, I, this is certainly part of a long history of, of really trying to keep that history away uh, from folks. And really, uh, all Americans are, are uh, the right. worst for not really having a fuller picture of who we and where we are as a country.
6: Right. And the Pulitzer Center offering it is not the same thing as it necessarily being required. It's an offer. It doesn't mean that you know, kids are necessarily being indoctrinated. Uh, Jelani, I want to I'm to bring this out to sort of a larger discussion. This is your you're a history professor. This, this seems like a, a larger problem that we see about how black excellence is treated, right? It, this, this is reminiscent of when the University of Arizona brought President Obama in in 2009 and said, we want you to be our keynote speaker, but we don't want to offer you a degree. No shade to anybody who went to University of Arizona. <laughs> but if you think the President of the United States is good enough to come to your school, I think it's good enough to give him an honorary degree. As a scholar and as an academic, how do you look at the nuances of the fact that the board is okay with having Ms. Hannah Jones there, but they just don't
4: want to give her tenure? Well, I think they weren't really okay with having uh, you know, Ms. <laughs> Hannah Jones there, but that happened as the through the machinations of the the other layers of the institution that were that are really uh, intent on having her presence on campus uh, for reasons that make a lot of sense. Uh, but you know, the fact of the matter is that if we went through her credentials, which uh, include a MacArthur uh, Genius Award, a Pulitzer Prize, two Polk Awards, a Peabody Award, and three National Magazine Awards. So, Jason, you and I have been around academia for a long time. Correct me if I'm lying when I say that would be an impressive total for a department. Yes, exactly. If you exactly. the best many accolades in your department, you would be doing well. This is one yes. individual so absurdly overqualified for the position that it only makes more glaring the illogic of the position that the board took. Uh, and so this is absolutely about that. And one other thing that I'll add really quickly is that this is an attempt to re the syllabus of lies about the American past that were a rationale for white supremacy. There has been an ongoing assault. W.E.B. Du Bois wrote about this. He called it the propaganda of history. Uh, And you should go back and read that essay in Black Reconstruction. This has been the fundamental calling of Black historians in this country to add a corrective to the record so that we might actually present a brief for non-racial democracy in this country. So this is why this is a much bigger issue than a single tenure case at a single institution this is about democracy, this is about academic freedom, and this is about freedom of the press.
6: Uh, and as our as our mutual colleague Adam Sewer recently wrote in The Atlantic, using the state to try and suppress this information, it's not going to work. This will simply make us fight harder. Thank you guys so much. Jelani Cobb, Aaron Haynes, thank you so very much.
0: All right. So that was from um, MSNBC. That was from The Beat with Ari Melber. Uh, that was Dr. Jason Johnson sitting in for uh, Ari Melbourne, May 21st, 2021. Also read this article. We've talked about this um, article here the past couple of weeks. How Trump ignited the fight over critical race theory in schools. How Trump ignited the fight over critical race theory in schools. This is from um, uh, NBC News. This is from May 10th, 2021. Okay. Republican lawmakers across the country have proposed bills to ban critical race theory in K-2, K-12 through schools, here's what that really means. And they talk about, uh, going back to 2020, they talk about the 1619 Project attacks on that. Uh, but they talk about the September 2020 memo. Conservative leaders uh, have been accused of using uh, the decades-old academic term, critical race theory, initially intended to recognize the systemic racism inherent in American life, They they use the term, Republicans use the term critical race theory as a catch-all for anti-racism and diversity efforts. Most of them don't know what critical race theory is. The proposed policies mimic former President Trump's September 2020 memo ordering the Office of Management and Budget to stop funding training on critical race theory for federal employees, calling it a propaganda effort. Around the same time, uh, Trump condemned the 1619 project. Um, in the, the Pulitzer Prize winning uh project for the New York Times, led by reporter Nicole Hannah-Jones that, that holds America was truly founded not in 1776, but 1619 when the first enslaved uh, African people were brought to the colonies. Well, that's the British colony because we know the Spanish were taking Africans into the territory we call South Carolina 1526. And we know that uh, African people were in this land The Khoisan, who come from Southern Africa, they were here uh, going back at least 51,700 years ago. And this is who uh, Dr. David Imhotep talks about in the book, uh, The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence, because we were in this land before Native Native Americans even came into existence. This, This does not mean the transatlantic slave trade did not happen. Yes, it did, but we were here for tens of thousands of years before the transatlantic slave trade even took place. This is why you have to understand the chronology of the history. Okay, uh, but but the 16, okay, so uh, educators embraced this message uh, and began utilizing the 1619 Project and looking for resources to teach a more holistic history of the country. Trump rebuked the project, the 1619 Project, as a warped, distorted portrayal of American history Both the memo, the September 2020 memo from the Trump administration and this attack sparked the commission on the 1776 report meant to combat the contents of the 1619 project, the the countrywide uprisings in the wake of the the death of George Floyd. And uh, we're coming up on the commemoration of the one year anniversary, May 25th. Uh, only fueled the matter with pundits debating the nation's fraught history of racism. Thus, although President Joe Biden reversed Trump's initial ban in January, the seed had been planted because uh, Joe Biden uh, removed the 1776 report from WhiteHouse.gov and disbanded the 1776 commission, r- rightfully so. Okay, so read this article, read the rest of this article here. How Trump ignited the fight over critical race theory in
1: school.